0: What is up guys? Welcome back to creeps in the crypt. As always, I am Eric and I am joined by Christian and Sam who uh, are not in the studio right now because I'm doing this Friday morning when the episode was supposed to be out and we had some scheduling issues this week. Uh, sorry, we didn't have an episode for Thanksgiving. We've got some some stuff going on, but um Hopefully we'll be back with a brand new episode next week. But what we have for you today is a episode where we pre-recorded a long time ago, um, during our like test run of doing this whole thing. So I figured what better time to put this episode out than cuffing season. So we're doing a serial killer. It's unsolved. It's cold case for Sam, but, uh, Yeah, guys. I hope you enjoyed the Colonial Parkway birders. But uh, this week we have Sam's episode. It's my
1: turn! It is your episode.
0: So what are you bringing to the table?
1: So I had to bring it back to my home state of Virginia. And this happened, I mean, it was back in the 80s, but it was like three hours from my hometown. It is a quadruple homicide. I mean, technically, it's four double homicides. It is the Colonial Parkway Murders. And as of today, May 5th, 2021, they are still unsolved. The high head count, not solved. Not solved. At all. So, uh, it, the Colonial Parkway is a 23-mile stretch of road that cuts through the Colonial National Park in southeast Virginia. It cuts through Williamsburg, for people who are familiar with Virginia. cuts through Williamsburg. It is a two-laned road with a grassy median in between. And, uh, yeah, it's about, I would say about three hours outside of my hometown of Lynchburg. Oh, because, I thought you we were going to
2: say the road's like three hours. I was like, Jesus no, 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 Christ. No, no, no,
1: no. <laughs> So like, you die of boredom. Yeah. Basically. Um, I
0: don't think the uh, case solved. They died of boredom.
1: <laughs> they died of boredom.
0: All right. See you next week.
1: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, 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 no. Be
0: sure to subscribe to the
1: yeah, show. Yeah, make sure we start dropping the socials rate right and now. subscribe. No, rate and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about three hours outside of my hometown, depending on where you leave from, I guess. But so on October 12th, 1986, just before sunset, a jogger saw a 1980 white Honda Civic down the embankment stuck in the bushes, which prompted the jogger to call the Virginia Highway Patrol to come and check out this abandoned vehicle.
0: So what year did this this happen?
1: This was 1986 that the first murders were discovered. Wow,
0: so that car was... It was an older car then.
1: It is six years old. Six model years old.
2: What so, yeah. is six model years old? Seven. Yeah. Uh, you add a year to it? Yeah. Oh depreciation, yeah. right?
0: No. Uh they they dropped they the new models at the
2: the year before. Oh uh, yeah. gotcha.
0: The end of, towards the end of the year before.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a Honda that somebody probably it's would a, be driving at this point and it would have a wing on it at this point. <laughs> or or a woofer. Of some sort. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm dead. <laughs> it would. So they would
1: still be driving it Happy to this day. Cinco de
0: Mayo, everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said it without saying it. I didn't say it. So, yeah, it was a 1980 Honda Civic. It was white. Um, so once the highway patrol had their first glance of the scene, they assumed that the owners ha- of the car had gone to find help. But when they looked inside the car, Highway Patrol discovered that it was not an accident. Inside the car were the bodies of 27-year-old Kathleen Thomas and 21-year-old Rebecca Dowski. The two girls had been missing since October 9th after being seen leaving a computer lab on the William and Mary campus where Rebecca was a student. Kathleen was a US Naval Academy graduate. Police quickly learned that this case was more than they could handle and they called the, they called in the FBI for some help. When the FBI arrived, they took photos, had the car towed to the road cuz it's down the embankment, like it's in the bushes. <clears throat> the car belonged to Kathleen and the inside was an absolute mess. The, the more they investigated the scene, the more confusing it got. Everything inside had kind of gotten thrown around, but they did find that the keys were still inside the car. A robbery gone wrong was quickly ruled out when the police found the girls' jewelry and their pocketbooks inside. The two women were bound with rope and strangled, and their throats had been slit so deeply that they were almost decapitated. It was OJ. I have my own theories about that. Is that's it, not this podcast.
0: Is is it? Was there a white Bronco in the area? Uh,
1: well, there's probably- a white Civic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Talk, Marty did just drop our OJ episode. A Shameless plug. Oh shit. Um, but yeah, I don't think OJ did it. Um. Anyway. So uh, he
0: did come out with, Hold on. He no, did come out with a book sidebar no, sidebar. No, no.
1: No. Okay, continue on the sidebar. It was Ron Goldman's family that was um awarded rights to the manuscript and they edited the manuscript and then released it and renamed it saying if I did it confessions of a killer. <sighs> anyway. It's well, my
2: scene is about and like <sighs> That's um, like the 21-21. Like this like, was
1: my senior year project. Was the OJ, right. so we'll girl, OJ. the OJ case. We'll have to do an
0: episode on I'm OJ.
1: Your girl is deep into the OJ
0: We'll have to do an episode on OJ. I'm so
1: Simpson. down. Um, don't even get me down this rabbit hole. Yeah, don't even get right. me down it. Let's do okay. these Parkway murders. Yes, the Parkway. So, they were almost decapitated. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, Rebecca's body was in the back seat and Kathleen's was found in the hatchback. Police speculated that the murders had happened somewhere else and they'd been dumped in the car because there was no blood found inside. Whoever killed them doused their bodies in diesel fuel and there were matches found in and around the car. So, the killer did try to burn the car with the fuel, but they failed to do so. Um, but diesel fuel doesn't really burn quite like regular gasoline. It has a higher ignition point, and you almost have to, like, prep the diesel fuel to be ignited. So, he didn't do any of that, so it never lit. Because just the match wasn't enough to light the the diesel fuel on fire. Yeah. Um, nothing inside the car pointed to a specific suspect. Investigators hoped that the autopsies would shed some light on who their killer was. But the autopsy showed that the women had been deceased for at least 24 hours before they were discovered. They were likely murdered the night they were last seen leaving that computer lab because Rebecca had class on October 10th, which was a Friday and she didn't show up for it. The partially digested food in their stomach showed that they had a meal shortly before their untimely deaths. Their autopsies also showed that they were strangled in addition to having their throat slit.
0: So this guy was like really fucking
1: This was like going a, for it. Yeah, he this this guy is like rage fueled. I get that I get into that in just a second. Um so keep in mind that the killer tried to push the car into the river. Then he tried to light it on fire. So it could be the actions of someone who doesn't quite know what they're doing yet because the M.O. is so all over the place.
0: It f- sounds like he's just a fuck up. He- like he is fucking this up. This is definitely a first run.
1: Yeah, it's like a dry run. Yeah. Yeah. A very
0: dry run because... It didn't light. Nothing (laughs) nothing happened. It was was dress rehearsal.
1: (laughs) It was dress rehearsal. (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: Break a leg, slit a throat. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want. Whatever Whatever you want. Whatever. Whatever Whatever you want. (laughs) Strangle somebody.
1: Yeah. So they were able to find a piece of evidence on Kathleen. It was a one-inch piece of plastic line or rope. They believed that this was the type of rope used to murder both women. They also had a number of bruises on their bodies, suggesting that there was a struggle or they were handled pretty roughly. There was even a handprint on Kathleen's butt. She did have what appeared to be a defensive wound on one of her hands. It was a cut in like the webbing of her fingers but that was the only defensive hurt. wound. It was the only defensive wound between the two women. So that's a little strange. One pretty much gave up and
2: said, I'm going to die. Yeah. And then the other one said, I'm not going out without a fight.
1: Yeah. The one that went to the Naval Academy. Yeah. It's like, nah, dude. Uh,
0: that's, I don't know. I've got a paper cut between my fingers before. Mm. That's some painful fucking shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So neither wim- neither woman was sexually assaulted. It's speculated that this might have been a hate crime because Kathleen and Rebecca were girlfriends. They that wasn't something that you just like put on display in the 80s in Virginia. I mean like not saying there's anything wrong with it, but like that just wasn't Something you did in Virginia in the 80s.
2: I was going to ask you if they were lesbians.
1: Yeah, they were. Okay. So
0: what's what's strange is it sounds like the really it could have been like a a BTK situation where it wasn't about like the rape that got him off. It was. Uh, yeah, the binding and torturing aspect. Because. Yeah. uh I know Dennis Raider actually would come too in the act. Yeah. So I feel like it, it could be like one of those type of situations where it, penetration didn't need to happen, like the rape actually didn't need to happen. Right. It was, it was just... like the act of its of the murder itself right. like, was enough because
2: he could just like replay that in his head. Yeah. The like the as a movie reel. Enough. Yeah. Like he could play it in his head as a yeah. reel and be like, just get off on that. Yeah. Wow.
1: So uh, police did wonder if Kathleen's ex would be jealous jealous enough to murder her and her new girlfriend. And this was the most popular theory in this case until police learned that Kathleen's ex was actually the one who introduced her and Rebecca, and she was happy for them. Rebecca's ex, however, was a hot-headed Muslim man who didn't believe in homosexuality But he was... Switch hitter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he was two hours away in D.C. on the night they were thought to be murdered. So he had an alibi. Um, They were... So at this point, they're now out of suspects and they're out of leads. Their only option is that a stranger did this. But how do you track down a stranger? Luckily... The FBI had this brand new branch called the Behavior Analysis Unit, or the BAU, as in, yes, the BAU from Criminal Minds. Um, there's also a show called Hunter, which kind of like, not document.
0: One of my favorites, Ed Kemper. Yes, was he a, was one of the helpers. Yeah, he was a, I wouldn't say a producer, but like an asset for the yeah. show.
1: Yeah, which was I love Ed Kemper. He's one of my favorites.
0: He is a personal favorite. And when we do that episode, it will be a joint effort between the two of us. I kind of want
1: to write to him. Because he'll write back. He'll probably write you back. I'm writing to him. Fuck it. Let's do do it. it. I'm writing to Ed Kemper. Write to Ed Kemper. (laughs) Yeah, if you haven't watched Mindhunter, hella good show.
0: It is very good.
1: Um, in 1986, the BAU was still very new, but they were able to try and profile this murderer. And here's a few things that they found to be most interesting. The piece of plastic rope slash line that was found in Kathleen's hair was most likely a nautical line. The diesel fuel that was poured onto the bodies. A lot of boats tend to run on diesel fuel and you didn't. You, you didn't find very many diesel running cars back in the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. I'm talking like 12% of cars ran on diesel in 1998. So, take that for what you will. The cuts made on the women's necks were made with an extremely sharp knife. So, not your common pocket knife or kitchen knife.
0: Probably like a hunting knife, I would say.
1: I, w- I was thinking like a scalpel type sharpness.
0: Um, to cut through though, you need a
1: something super sharp. I'm just not, like not scal- even
0: sharp, but like a scalpel wouldn't cut all. The, like you said, these women were almost decapitated. Almost
1: decapitated. I
0: would say it was probably like a Bowie, uh, Bowie knife or some type of hunting knife.
2: Something Oof. with a thick enough blade. So, to
0: something like, where yeah. you can get enough like leverage. Leverage to fucking really do right. some damage.
1: Yeah. Um. It's similar to ones that you would use to gut fish. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, so like a, a boning knife type of deal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although I said a bowie knife. I was like, I don't know what that is. Um. All of this pointed to someone who was on the water often. Maybe even works on a boat. Someone who lives paycheck to paycheck, possibly hates women or specifically lesbians, when this profile was first delivered, there were a few suspects that came to light, but no one panned out and no arrests were made. When, the, when those leads didn't pan out, the FBI started to look at the rangers that responded to the scene that night. This is when they started to look at the fact that Kathleen's wallet was out and open, but nothing was taken from it. Could some kind of authority figure approach them and ask for some kind of identification? One of the rangers named Clyde Yee passed a polygraph and was ruled out as a suspect. Slowly, leads dried up and Kathleen and Rebecca's case went cold. The FBI and the state police believed that it was an isolated incident and said so in a press conference. But do you think that was a one time thing?
2: No. I'm gonna go with no. We know the here. answer.
1: Ding. Probably
0: not. It, do I win the survey
2: with... says, oh, Christian's right. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna go with
0: this was not a one time thing.
2: You would you be know correct. one and done is not how you do murders. It is never a good thing. No.
0: Like, I feel like when a serial killer finds a good hunting ground,
1: and the Colonial Parkway is primed. Well, at least back then, it was primed for hunting grounds. So, uh, things had, you know, sort of returned to normal, you know, as normal as they could be after a double homicide, until about a year later, on September 22nd of 1987, when the bodies of 20-year-old David Knobling and 14-year-old Robin Edwards were found along the banks of the James River, which i would taken a field trip to the James River, like Jamestown. Anyway, um, they'd been missing since September 20th. They were last seen at a local arcade with David's brother and a kid named Jason that Robin had gone on a date with. Robin had a history of running away, So when Robin wasn't in her bed later that night, it wasn't a huge shock to her family. It was kind of like in... Wait,
2: isn't this chick like 14? She's 14, yeah. So it's not a huge shock that your 14-year-old is not in their bed?
1: I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) I mean, no
2: no judgment, but judgment. I mean, Very progressive. I'm I'm passing judgment on
1: that. A little bit. But, so, her parents were like... Oh, shit. Like, not this again. Yeah. But she didn't take any of her clothes with her this time. So, this was a sign to her dad that she'd be back soon. She was probably just blowing off some of that teenage steam, which I never had. Um, but, whatever.
0: Yeah, that's, I didn't that's grow up what in the it 80s. was when you don't go home at night.
2: I, I remember when my mom texted me and being like, Where are you? And I'm like, At my boyfriend's house.
0: Yeah, I was like, I, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I remember when Christian would blow off steam.
2: Yeah, I'm watching South Park and it's, <laughs> it's one a.m. and she's like, "When are you gonna be home?" and I was like, "I'm not, <laughs> not coming home, not coming home." But I have clothes and we're good, and I'll see <laughs> you tomorrow. That would not fly. That's where we're, we're that's where we're at in the age of texting. Like you can text your fucking kid and be like, "Are you good?" And I'm good. But
1: you so. Robin's mother insisted that she file a missing persons report the next morning when Robin still hadn't shown up. David's truck was found in a parking lot by the James River Bridge in an area called Ragged Island. That area is known for two things, hooking up and low-level drug deals. It's possible that they went there to score some weed or they went there to hook up. It's not clear on the motive of being there, but it was definitely one of the two. When police approached the vehicle, the keys were still in the ignition set to accessory mode. So, like, one click. That hadn't, like, started. It was, like, the like where the radio comes from. So, out.
2: it probably, like, dinged forever yeah. in a day.
1: The radio was on, and inside there were two pairs of underwear, two pairs of shoes, and David's wallet in the car, which again, ruled out robbery. The officer immediately assumed that the two people hopped out of the truck to go skinny dipping. They were able to track down David's family via the registration in the truck. His mom left work to come look at the site, and she said that it just felt wrong. David loved that truck, and he would never just have left it unlocked and running like that and him not be close by. One of the pairs of shoes connected Robin to the scene via the missing persons report her mother had filed. They searched the river where they assumed they went skinny dipping, but there was no evidence of anyone being in there. Even if they had gotten swept away and drowned, there would be bodies somewhere, but there was nothing. Authorities found it strange that the two hadn't shown up, so they went to David's family's home to search the truck, which they had allowed David's truck to be towed home on the grounds that it was an abandoned vehicle, assuming he would just show up. Yeah. They searched the truck for any kind of answers. David's window had been rolled down a little bit, suggesting that the killer had been posing as someone in uniform. Does that sound familiar? Yes. A jogger was running when they saw a pile of clothing. As they approached, it was apparent that it wasn't just a pile of clothing. There was someone in the clothes. It was the bloated body of a young girl, face down and shot once in the back of her head with her pants unbuttoned and her shirt rolled up to her neck. About 20 to 30 yards away was the body of a man who was wearing only pants and was tangled in the tree roots, and he'd also been shot in the head, as well as the shoulder. They were the bodies of David and Robin. Authorities speculated that David tried to crawl up the embankment when he was shot in the shoulder to slow him down and then shot in the head to kill him. Police weren't sure if there was any sexual assault because it was speculated that Robin and David had a sexual relationship, which... you, David. Um, the murders hadn't happened on Colonial Parkway, but they are linked to the string of murders because both sets of victims were couples and had been on or near Lover's Lane areas. And the two crime scenes were about 30 – Were they were about a 30-minute drive apart. And just like Kathleen and Rebecca's case, David and Robin's went cold. Seven months later – so he's escalating at this point. There was about 11 months in between Kathleen and Rebecca yeah. and David and Robin. So, so he starts
2: so, with a lesbian couple, goes to like – straight has a
1: gun right he strangles one shoots the other he's all over the place yeah um so anyway about 7 months later on April 10th 1988 18-year-old Cassandra Haley and 20-year-old Richard Call who went by his middle name which was Keith they went missing after a party in Newport News which is Actually, their first date. People who were at the party said that the couple barely spoke to each other. Cassandra was actually seeing another man on the down low. They had to keep it under wraps because he was African American. And, you know, there were still social, I mean, uh, racial tensions in the 80s in Virginia. I mean, Danville still flies the Confederate flag. But anyway, um... When Cassandra first told her mother about the relationship, she told Cassandra to be careful about dating an African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, they left the party around 1.30 a.m. Cassandra never made it home. The same night, around two to thirty, Keith's brother Chris was driving home from a trip to Richmond with a friend on the Colonial Parkway near the York River Outlook, when they saw a van come out of the trees and started to follow them, and the van was gaining speed, like they were they were catching up. Mm-hmm. The speed limit was forty-five miles an hour on the Parkway, and Chris thought the van's speed was about sixty. Oh shit. So this guy's booking it. Yeah. And as they're driving, they pass this car pulled off at a rest stop that he thinks looks like his brother's Toyota Celica. The van also passes the Toyota, but then does a U-turn and heads back towards the car. And then the van just never appears back in his rear view. He said that the dome light was on when he passed the Toyota, and he just assumed that the people inside were hooking up, just like, you know, everyone does on the Colonial Parkway. Keith's dad sees the Toyota Celica around 7 a.m. the next morning, and he knows that, that, that that's his son's car.
0: So the the parkway is just a big fuck spot.
1: Pretty much. Okay. Back in the 80s. I've, I haven't driven it lately. I mean... We got on it to go to Jamestown. Okay. I believe. Um, I was also like in the fifth grade the last time I was on the. That's anywhere a great, near the Colonial Parkway. That's
0: a great field trip spot. Just the local fuck highway <laughs> to take a bunch of fifth graders to. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <laughs> this is what you have to look forward to.
1: <laughs> Welcome Man. to it.
0: Welcome to your life. <laughs> banging, on, early. banging on a highway.
1: Yeah. I mean, shit. So Keith's dad pulls up.
0: Sounds like a fucking spring scene song. Isn't
1: that rocking down the highway? Yeah, it's fucking on the (laughs) highway. Anyway, so Keith's dad pulls up on the car and gets out and notices that the door is slightly open and the driver's seat is folded forward. He moves his seat back and looks inside the car and sees some beer cans, a jacket, Keith's gold watch, and Cassandra's pocketbook. He assumed that they were on the beach doing whatever young adults do on the beach and left their things in the car. Keith's dad then leaves and continues his on his way to work. About an hour later, the area is dubbed a crime scene but there's something strange about the inside of the car. It turned out that there were more items in the car than what Keith's dad originally saw when he was there earlier. The keys were the, were in the ignition. There were clothes in the front and back seat. The glove compartment was open. Remember, Keith's dad only saw the jacket Cassandra's pocketbook pocket and Keith's watch he didn't see the keys and the glove compartment wasn't open turns out that the rangers had responded to the scene and they went inside the car to grab the clothes thinking that they were going to stumble upon two young naked people on the beach they were thinking that they were going to need their clothes when the rangers found them The rangers admitted that they tried to put the items back in the car when they realized that this wasn't what they thought it was, which is two adults, young adults skinny dipping in the river, which, again, does that sound familiar? But in doing that, investigators have no idea what the scene actually looked like when it was first found. By the time that the scene... The crime scene text had gotten there. The scene had been contaminated not just once, but twice. Keith and Cassandra were nowhere to be found. Media began to broadcast the story over the radio about two missing college students possibly drowning in the river. One of the FBI agents who was, who was assigned to Kathleen and Rebecca's case just so happened happened to be listening to that very same broadcast he immediately knew that they definitely did not drown he also wondered why no one alerted the fbi on this case it was so similar to kathleen and rebecca's so he like runs to the office pulls his team together and heads out to where where keith's truck was found When they got there, the rangers were rude, they were defensive, and their actions were extremely abnormal. The FBI actually thought that they might have had something to do with this at first because of how they were acting, which there was a similarity between Kathleen and Rebecca and Cassandra and Keith. Kathleen's wallet was out and open, and Keith's glove compartment was also open, like, they were both reaching for their ID slash registration. So,
0: almost. could this person have been like posing as a police officer? That's what they
1: think they were. He was posing as a ranger, or some authority figure like a highway patrol or police officer, and or something to get like, them to pull over.
0: Yeah, pulled him yeah. over and then fucking killed him.
1: Yeah, search dogs were brought in to try and track the couple since. Three different dogs were used, and they all went the same route, straight to the water. They decided to take the dogs out on the water. Cadaver dogs can sometimes pick up scents on the water, which I had no idea until I watched the Joe Exotic Zoo episode on Ghost Adventures, where they took the dogs out on the water. Yeah, river. that was some oh crazy. My that was a wild shit. So, anyway. Shout
0: out Joe Exotic.
1: <laughs> Free Joe. <laughs> So, but the fact that no one on the Ranger team even suggested that this case be connected to the one from less than a year ago is a little mind-blowing to me. It's a little like, I'm sorry, what? Huh? What? Yeah, like, how do you you not think that all these are connected? Yeah. Seems, Seems suspicious. The FBI also brings in divers to search the riverbeds, and they come up with nothing. Weeks later, the body of a man was found in the same area, but it was unrelated. It's possible that the dogs were signaling that the dead guy's body. To this day, Keith and Cassandra have never been found. Obviously, they didn't just walk away from their lives naked, but there have been no leads in their case. The FBI's theory is that they went to make out and someone approached the car Under the disguise of an officer of some sort and asked for the vehicle's registration. And then they were lured off somewhere to be murdered. A lot of people speculate that they were driving somewhere where they were pulled over by someone possibly needing help or someone who was... So somebody,
0: like, bundied them.
1: Uh, Yeah, essentially. Or an authority figure. Or the car was simply dumped there. The FBI had no leads to go on. They learned that there <clears throat> were Russian satellites in the area that night, and they even contacted Russia to see if they caught anything on their satellite images. The Russian government?
0: That's interesting because that's cold that's like the height of the Cold War. Yeah. So to reach out to Russia in that time to try to, to solve figure a cold this case. out? That's some crazy shit.
1: So, unfortunately, Russia refused to help. Which is the Russians. (laughs) You fucking Russians. My best friend's Russian. (laughs) Um, But there was one sort of eerie lead that the FBI decided to follow up on. There was a guy driving around the parkway in a van with a license plate that read, Eat Them. They ran. Oh, that's not
0: foreboding <laughs> and ominous at all.
1: They ran the plate and tracked down the owner, and it matched up with a peeping Tom case. He would walk up on people as they were making out or hooking up. They do a drive by and see him washing the interior of his van. And taking out the upholstery, they run around frantic trying to get a search warrant for that van. But they do, but they don't find anything. He did have weapons, handcuffs, and some very violent porn in his possession, though. Violent Ooh, porn. all right, I'm <laughs> intrigued. Regular porn, but do they violent. go into
0: detail on that?
1: They do not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Eric. It's
0: unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> they really missed the mark.
2: He was. How are you able to provide a good place for somebody to stay if it doesn't have violet porn? Uh I know. The audacity. The audacity. What I want, kind of I want some some max hardcore? is hardcore? What kind if you have of place are you running here? I know, right? What kind of parkway <laughs> are you running You're getting one
0: here? star on Airbnb.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine if somebody, like, rated the parkway? Like, one star. Like, <laughs> did not get fucked here. Would not recommend. Did not die here. Yeah. Did not, die
0: die did not w- get to rape and murder anyone here. <laughs> would not, not recommend.
1: recommend. <laughs> he was in the area the night, the night of some of the murders, and he did fit the description of someone who works on a boat or is on one frequently that the FBI profiled in the first case. He made up multiple stories for his alibi. They thought that he looked good for it, but they had no evidence. And he did pass the polygraph. So he was let go.
0: He just a perv in the woods.
1: Um, yeah. So just like the cases before... Keith and Cassandra's went cold. Labor Day weekend of 1989, about a year and a half later. So he's decelerating. First it was 11 months and then it was seven months. And now we're about a year and a half later.
0: So he's hitting like a lot of cool down periods.
1: I have a theory for that. And just, we'll get to that. Uh, See,
0: anytime I'm not like informed on these things... I end up stepping on so much shit.
1: <laughs> I know. Just give me a minute, Eric. I'm just rushing to the to the end. Give me end. a minute. Just, just she's in there. It'll all come together all right. in your mind in just a little bit. Labor Day weekend of 1989, 21-year-old Daniel Lauer and his brother's girlfriend, 18-year-old Anna Maria Phelps were driving to Daniel's brother's house in Virginia Beach from where they lived in Amelia County, which is just outside of Richmond. They should have arrived in Virginia Beach within a couple hours, but they never made it. Clint, who is Daniel's brother and Anna Maria's boyfriend, he decided to get in his car and go look for them. Maybe they had broken down and were in need of help because it was still the 80s. They didn't have cell phones. Um, after driving ways he decided to turn around and head home. On September 5th, they were reported missing with Daniel's car found at the New Kent rest stop on I-64, right where Clint had turned around. It was found on the acceleration ramp half off the road next to the exit and no parking sign the keys were still in the ignition and the driver window was partly rolled down but the strange thing was the car was pointed westbound the opposite direction of where they were supposed to be going that kind of confused police Also, Daniel's wallet with the money he had gotten from working with his dad, which is about $800, and Anna Maria's wallet were still in the car. Just like the others. This case wasn't immediately connected to the others because it was about an hour away from where the others happened. It was unclear if Anna Maria and Daniel were pulled over and then were murdered at the rest stop or if they were murdered somewhere else and then brought to the rest stop. It would be about a month and a half before their bodies would be discovered. On October 21st, 1989, hunters on a logging road about a mile from the rest stop where the car was found. They discovered the bodies covered in a blanket from Daniel's car. The bodies were so decomposed, it was difficult to determine the cause of death or if there had been any sexual assault. There were what appeared to be stab wounds on Anna Maria's bones, but just like the last three cases, this one went cold too. Police are finally linking all of these murders because of the distinct similarities in each one. They were all couples. No valuables or money were taken. The victims were killed in or near their cars. And there was no evidence of sexual assault. Although there are some people that think that it was the work of two or more serial killers. Specifically because of the fact that the way the couples were murdered weren't the same. Kathleen and Rebecca were strangled and had their throats slit. David and Robin were shot. Cassandra and Rickard, Richard were never found. Anna, Maria, and Daniel were both thought to be stabbed. Double murders are also really rare. Lover's Lane murders are also really rare. I mean, I guess so. That's just what the statistics say. But they have the Zodiac who killed on Lover's Lanes. And then this guy killed on Lover's Lanes too. So I'm not really sure how rare it can be. Um, What... You know, like, what are the odds of these four crimes not being connected?
0: So I have a theory. Okay. Just from, like, listening to this. Um, <clears throat> I think the first one might have been a one-off. Yeah. And the the three preceding that were realistically probably a copycat uh-huh. or so- or something of the sort. Um, or it's just people that know that you could go kill some kids up at uh, Colonial Park.
1: Well, they also all happened in the spring or the fall on holiday weekends. Detective Steve Spingola. Investigated the Colonial Parkway murders as a private investigator, and he believes that the murders of Kathleen and Rebecca aren't related to the other murders. So you're right on point. You're, you're on point there. He thinks that they're connected to another double homicide that happened in the Shenandoah National Park in 1996, which is about an hour and a half from where my family and I used to vacation in Shenandoah Acres. Jesus Christ! Yeah, in the nineties, I'm pretty sure. So if <laughs> it you, was the late nineties. If
0: you go back to episode two of the like our Sasquatch episode, um, we had our buddy John that came on and mm-hmm. talked about how most serial killers operate in the national parks. Yeah, because they don't communicate with local police. Right. So it's a most, that, yeah, most of that shit goes completely unsolved.
1: They're park rangers. Yeah.
0: So you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna kill anybody and try to get away with it, do it in the national park.
1: Well, there is a an area out west. I believe it's around Wyoming. That area, there's a little like part where murder's legal. Because it doesn't. interesting. It, I forget the logistics of it, but it doesn't have a jurisdiction.
0: That's crazy. It's like the Wild West.
1: Yeah. So 24-year-old Julie Williams and 26-year-old Lolly Winans were camping in the park over Memorial Day weekend and were reported missing when they didn't come home. Their bodies were found on June 1st. They'd been bound and gagged, similar to Kathleen and Rebecca, and their throats were also slit. Spingola thought that they were there were two sets of hate crimes committed by the same person. But many still believe that the Colonial Parkway murders were the work of one serial killer, despite what Detective Spingola believes.
0: I'm leaning heavily into it it's two.
1: But the Shenandoah Park is so far from Colonial Parkway.
0: Yeah, but
1: it's an hour and a half from me. A which-
0: killer would have a distinct M.O. by that point in time. And who's to say he's not yeah, a transient?
1: But that would mean that Kathleen and Rebecca's, and Julie and Lolly were ten years apart. No, I mean, if he's
0: in the area at that point in time, I mean it's. I, I'm getting
1: there. I'm getting. There. All right. Oh, all I'm getting right. there. I'm getting all there. Right. So, over the years, police have interviewed a hundred and fifty suspects in connection to these four cases, but all have been cleared. In 2018, Kathleen's brother, Bill Thomas, who runs the Facebook page for the Colonial Parkway murders, revealed that DNA had been found at three of the four crime scenes, which could potentially link the cases and lead to an arrest. Hair had been found in Kathy's hand, and a biological sample was found on Robin that had never been tested. But this is... This is a season of justice, and uh, there have been a lot of advances in DNA technology. Things like Ancestry.com and other DNA testing sites have been used to solve murders and rapes. Like the April Tinsley April Tinsley case, um, her rape, rape and murderer...
0: Which I'm sure we'll talk about one day.
1: <laughs> Knowing me, yes. Um. Her murderer was found through one of those DNA testing sites. These cases are such a rabbit hole for me. Um, I have made kind of my own theory. Um,
0: so what's your theory on this? Because we know so mine. It, it's, my theory is it's two guys that just so happen to be hunting the same ground.
1: I think it's one, one person who operates on the same schedule as the school districts, meaning he's a faculty member, which would make sense as to why he only kills on holiday weekends and spring break, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, fall break.
0: See, I I, I just don't know about that. Kathleen Uh, and Rebecca's
1: um, was fall break. Memorial Day weekend was Julie Julie and Lolly. Labor Day weekend was the last one. And I believe Kathleen. And there's been no more murders that have happened there? There's been no more murders.
0: I'm gonna throw one out there. What if it's a truck driver?
1: It could be April 10th, so that was Cassandra and Keith's, which could be on spring break.
0: Um,
1: it could be a like a like a truck driver.
0: It, it could be it, or it could be a transient. Um,
1: I just find it very I strange. Don't that, feel
0: like it's a teacher though.
1: But he does operate within when schools are on breaks.
0: I mean, it's interesting, but there's not a defining M.O.
1: No, they're all different.
0: Yeah, to a serial killer, which makes it, like, very.
1: But it could be a serial killer that is coming into his own and he's testing out other. Yeah,
0: but by that point, they've already. I mean. Right. He seems to have, like, gone reverse from a cool off period.
1: And then he went in a year and a half after that
0: normally doesn't happen like that no normally it's like you commit the first crime and then there's a long cool off period and you hold a memento and you just keep replaying that in your head to get sexual gratification or the motive there is definitely sexual gratification whatever he's doing to these right people right the, the murder itself is sexual gratification um but to go that long and uh not to have a murder like that's a really long fucking cooldown period
1: well he went 11 months between the first and second murders and then 7 months between the second and third so
0: it should be ramping up to that
1: right but then that rage had... mode
0: where it's just like okay i need to just spree this shit out
1: but then he goes a year and a half between the third and the fourth.
0: That just doesn't fucking add up.
1: It doesn't.
0: And the MO, the MOs kind of get wonky.
1: They do. But.
0: Do I think it's gonna, multiple people 100%?
1: See, I don't know. Because Israel Keys had kill kits stashed all over the country with all different sorts of killing methods in one bucket. And none of his were killed the same way. All of is his Is that the kills- dude
0: from Alaska?
1: Yes. Okay. Not the butcher baker of Alaska, but he was He's from Alaska.
0: Yes. He's the one that killed that girl at a coffee shop. Samantha, right? the, yeah, Samantha yeah. Koenig. Yeah.
1: I have a problem. What? I have way too much true crime. <laughs> too much crime
0: knowledge. I'm right there with you. I get this is this is like this is like my baby like our other show is just me fucking around having a good time <laughs> with friends and shit and like this is the one I actually like it, this is this is like my bread and butter.
1: I fucking love True Crime. I, I can swim off. in
0: this shit all day um, Same It's somebody who was uh, criminology major in college for two years before I switched to marketing uh, <laughs> <laughs> I may have missed my calling.
1: Same I feel like I should have been in the FBI for real
0: Uh yeah, serial killers are kind of my thing. I love that. And school shooters, school shooters were a big thing for me.
1: The anniversary of Columbine just passed.
0: Mm, Yeah, but uh, so you think it was a school faculty member? I
1: think it could be. That it wasn't really touched on. It was something that I realized that I mean Labor Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend, fall break. Do you feel like that would break. be the
0: easiest time for victims though? If you look at it as like the wound, wounded gazelle. Right. The kids are out of school, they're going to be out out in the woods fucking. Right. It's it's like, all right. Well, now I can go get them. Mm-hmm. Type of deal. Mhm. Just easy targets
1: Right the, the kids who stayed home Or the, the kids who live here Who don't go home I mean that, I mean that is their home So like they don't They don't go far Yeah And you know There was never another sighting Of that white van Who tailed um, Clint Not Clint um, Keith's brother
0: it's it's really intriguing um on a level of could it be two different serial killers using the same stalking ground
1: i mean i'm not saying that that's never happened before
0: no it, it definitely has if you right. look at california in the the 60s and 70s um, that's where all
1: the fucking serial killers were yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, you could throw a fucking rock and hit one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, Richard Ramirez and Ed Kemper and well, Kemper,
0: Kemper was before Ramirez. Um, what's his name? Oh fuck, he Charlie was in the Manson? no, he was in the jail with um, Kemper. Kemper used to fuck with him all the time. I can't remember his name. Ed Gein. No, no, Ed Gein was Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin, the Midwest. Yeah, they all get um,
1: jumbled together.
0: No, there, there was one that he, like Kemper would like throw peanuts at him and shit, and or water to fuck with him. Like I it, love Ed Kemper, dude. Kemper, Kemper is he's like great. my
1: punchline for a lot of jokes. Like, don't be an Ed Kemper if you're gonna commit a crime. Don't be an Ed Kemper. Like, if you're gonna commit a crime, don't break another law. Like, don't have a broken taillight.